Welcome in, and thanks for joining us for Season 3 of the Delaware Bible Cast, a podcast ministry from Delaware Bible Church. I'm Brad Harris. I'm blessed to serve as Pastor of Administration and Outreach at Delaware Bible Church, and I'm also blessed to be able to serve as, generally speaking, most of the time, the lead for our podcast ministry here at DBC. This is something that we're now in our third season of. It's something that we started not too long after COVID-19, the pandemic, hit our community. And this was a way to supplement what we would generally see as uh, like a Sunday school study or as well give us an opportunity to be able to share with you information and things that we think that you would like to know about your leaders at Delaware Bible Church, things that may be interesting that we couldn't share in any other place or well, where are we going to fit that in, or where could we share that? Things that may not be for a Sunday morning or a Sunday night format or anything like that, but things that are very applicable and helpful, we think, to those within our church as we seek to fulfill our mission statement of loving God, of loving others, and of making disciples. So it's a blessing for me to share with you that over the last couple seasons, we have a total of 4,574 all-time downloads to our podcast. And as I look at that, the site that we go with that distributes our podcast out to all the different platforms that you're listening to it on, all the different podcast directories, shares with me different stats about that. And it astounds me that we have in one, two, three, four, five countries, podcast downloads. The majority of those, 96% coming from North America. But we have five downloads in South America. 129, 2% of ours come from Europe. 2%, or I'm sorry, two downloads in Africa. And 15 in Asia. The largest of which, of course, coming from the United States, 96%, but 73 of our podcasts have been or have been downloaded. There are 73 downloads from Germany, 37 from France, 9 from Canada, 9 from India, 7 from Russia, and some other countries there as well. It's a blessing to see how the Lord is working in our podcast with the majority of the folks that are listening in coming somewhere from central Ohio, mostly from Delaware, Ohio, or Powell. But as well, we're seeing traffic in Dublin, Ohio. In Centennial, Colorado, we have 209 downloads. And we have several other places as well. As God continues to work through our podcast ministry, we are very thankful for what he has uh, done and allowed over the last couple seasons. And we're looking forward now to being able to share a brand new season from now until the end of May. And beginning next week, we're going to focus for several weeks on what it looks like to cultivate Christian community within our church as we dovetail with our current DBC Life Group campaign on Christian community. We'll also, throughout our time this season, share a series regarding ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church, as we study the marks of a true church. We'll have other guests on who share testimonies, who share stories as they have served the Lord in ministry. We'll have ministry leaders from our fellowship and many other encouraging and edifying episodes as well. Yet here in our first podcast, we're going to hear from longtime DBC missionary Fred Vermeulen. 
Fred and his wife Trudy are some of our longest supported missionaries at DBC, and they have been supported by our church for 49 years. I know that this episode will be a blessing to you, so let's now transition our time to hearing what Fred has to share with us. Thanks again for joining us today for the Delaware Biblecast. I'm Pastor Brad Harris, and joining me today is a DBC-supported missionary since 1973, Mr. Fred Vermeulen. Fred, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Fred, we're going to have a conversation, and I know that you and I know each other, and I know some about your story, but I want to uh, share here for folks that may not know you at all. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us about you and your family and where you currently live at right now. Yes. My wife, Trudy, and myself at the present live in Minnesota, but we were both born in the Netherlands. And Trudy was born in, uh, just before World War II, and I was born as the World War started. I was led to the Lord in 1952 by a missionary from the Netherlands, from, actually to the Netherlands, from the United States. Uh, and that is where our story began in 1952. And uh, so came to know the Lord at that time. Then about four years later, uh, we were introduced to missions. And that was because of what happened in the country of Ecuador, where five missionaries were killed. But after the war, there were military people that had seen the need in Europe to evangelize Europe, and they uh, came as missionaries, as evangelists, and afterwards others came and started Bible institutes in Europe. That is where I was trained. And after my training uh, in uh, Bible and in linguistics, we had the privilege of going to the mission field in South America. So how did you and Trudy originally meet? We met in a youth camp. a youth camp in the Netherlands where the youth came for one week, some came for two weeks, and I met Trudy there in ni- 1958. Uh, so we met in that camp, but didn't know much about each other, but then I found out, and Trudy found out, that I was interested in tribal missions, and Trudy was interested in tribal missions because of what we'd heard about those missionaries in Ecuador, South America, uh, they had been killed. So tell us about the rest of your family. Is it just you and Trudy? Any any children or anyone yeah. else? Yes. Uh, after we got married, the first uh, child we had was our daughter, born in the Netherlands. Then we moved to Suriname, and our son, Artwin, was born. And after we moved from Suriname in 1972 to Germany actually to Luxembourg, uh, we had our son Vincent. Wonderful. So you have shared with us there many of the places that you've served at. Can you tell us about the mission board that you currently serve with? Yes, we serve under Biblical Ministries Worldwide. At the time that we joined in 1972, it was called Worldwide European Fellowship. But after a merger, the name changed to Biblical Ministries Worldwide. So with that, can you share with us uh, just 
maybe a broad ver- vision of or version of what all did you do on the mission field? What were your main things that you did over those many years? Yes, when we arrived in Suriname, we first uh, started uh, in a tribe of black people closer to the coast of Suriname, where we were then less than uh, one year. And from there, we moved to a ministry in the deeper in the jungle, closer to Brazil, among an Indian tribe, the uh, Trio Indians. Mm-hmm. From Suriname, after eight years, realizing that our children uh, were not um, developing the way we wanted them to develop as far as languages was concerned. So we left Suriname and started a ministry in the country of Luxembourg. Luxembourg is a small country between Belgium, Germany, and France, a very small country, 999 square miles. And first of all, we started a French-speaking church in 1973. But we were... Uh, visited by two, especially two families from the United States who didn't speak much French. Uh, and that was uh, the result. Uh, the result of that was that uh, we started an English speaking church in 1975. So, what now are you doing on the mission field? Well, after those years in Europe, first of all, in Luxembourg. Uh, planting those two churches. The mission asked us to move to Germany and eventually become the area director for all of Europe. I was in that position for six years, resigned from it. But all the time between Luxembourg and the time in Germany, we had the opportunity to go back to the Indian village in Suriname and teach the people there. But... uh, After Germany, the mission asked us to move to the Netherlands, where another missionary had started a church, turned it over to a national pastor, and things didn't go right, and the national pastor disappeared, and we were asked to take that church for six years, which we did. But all that time, we still had the chance to visit the Indians and teach them. But after those six years... In the Netherlands, the country opened up completely again, so we went back to work with the Indians in South America and eventually started a Bible school for not only the Trio Indians, but Indians of four more tribes. Oh, wow. So after doing all those things, then what brought you to Minnesota? Well, from the Netherlands, we eventually moved uh, to Michigan because we didn't want to stay close to the church there because we realized that we might be pulled back in to do certain things in the church and not make it easier for the next person in the church to pastor. So our son in Michigan asked us to move there and continue our ministry in Suriname from there. Uh, And that is what we did until we moved to Georgia, where our mission headquarters was, and we ministered to the Indians from Georgia, going there once or twice a year for Bible teaching. And from there, we moved to Florida, and doing the same thing, going back to the Indians, 
once or twice a year for teaching, and we started a Bible school in Suriname in the jungle for those uh, four or five different tribes in 1993. So how did your family originally get connected with Delaware Bible Church back, you said, 1973? That is 1972. Okay. When we were considering leaving Suriname and going back to Europe, the person who led me to the Lord was at that time uh, feel, um, what is it, general director of Worldwide European Fellowship, and he asked us to join them and start the work in Luxembourg and the mission, Worldwide European Fellowship, had the, the contact with Delaware Bible Church, and then we were uh, invited to be here for the first our first conference in 1973. So you have been a missionary with Delaware Bible Church under all three of our senior pastors then, under Pastor Witt, Pastor Henson, Pastor Titi. That is right. Wow. Yes. Wow, that's, that's very cool. I know with that as well that um, some of the work that you've been doing in Suriname there have been with Bibles and uh, children's Bibles. That's something that we have helped contribute to with, through Vacation Bible School. But can you tell us about some of the Bibles that you have all worked with there? It was neat for me today to get to see that children's Bible that we raise money for, a printed copy. Can you tell us about that? Yes. The, the Bible translation... Uh, was far from being completed. They did have the New Testament in 1979, and we were there for the dedication, but the rest still had to be translated, and we started that translation in 1993. And uh, then at the same time, we were asked to translate the children's Bible from the Netherlands into the trio language, that was the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, we were asked to translate the second children's Bible, which was more for children who can read themselves. The mm-hmm. first one was for uh, children to be read to by their parents. So the second children's Bible is on the way or has just arrived in Suriname uh, this month, month of September. Uh, it's a beautiful book. I mean, the colors, The I picked it up and I thought a, a student, a child would love this. It's a beautiful book. Exactly, yes. So we, we've talked quite a bit about missions, but let's just talk about Fred and Trudy and some things that you enjoy doing outside of missions work or ministry. What are some things that you both enjoy doing for fun? Well... I should say not much, <laughs> because uh, we are still very much involved in teaching the Indians, which we used to do in person in the jungle, but since they, they received the completed Bible in 2018, there were different things that we did in speaking in churches and so forth, but since 2020, we started ministering to them again by phone. And things have developed there in the jungle so much that a number of the Indians have cell phones. They also use the microphone mm-hmm. in, the, in the churches now. So I speak to them here from the United States on my phone. They put a cell phone by the microphone in the oh, wow. church, and I teach them on Sunday mornings. But during the week, 
the leaders of the churches want extra teaching because they don't have anything else mm-hmm. but the the Bible themselves, no uh, exposition, no no Bible helps whatsoever. So they're studying, looking at the Bible, and come up with all kinds of questions. So we have the opportunity to, to help those church leaders by phone during the week. So you just, on Sunday morning, you get up and you go into your study and you just get on your phone, call them, and preach. Is that something <laughs> like that? Yes. <laughs> That's we get up cool. and listen to a TV broadcast, listening to the word ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then about an hour later, uh, either they call me or I call them. Uh, usually the time given by them, there are two or three hours difference depending on winter time or summertime. And that is after they have had all the preliminaries of their service and then I do the teaching and bring the message. So how would their church service look different than an American church service? What would be some differences? I don't think there are any differences. There is mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit of singing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have their own groups that sing. Okay. They have more instruments these days. They are singing together. Uh, there is scripture reading, and then the teaching, the preaching takes place. So it's very similar to what you have here. Very cool. So I know that in many ways we're, we're kind of moving past it now, but it's also interesting to hear about how uh, COVID has been a both a major difficulty for many in the mission field, but how the Lord's also used it to open up some new doors there. In your mission's work, how did COVID impact it? In the work, in our ministry itself, it has not impacted. The, the, the only difference there was that there was less communication, less people coming in, no uh, what is it, travel between the villages and the city, the coastal mm-hmm. area, because airplanes were not supposed to go there except for medical emergencies. So. Uh, as far as our ministry is concerned, there wasn't much difference between COVID and no COVID mm-hmm. situation. Uh, so that ministry just just continued. Did the Indians over there, was COVID a, a really big deal to them? How did it affect them? No, because uh, there was no, no traffic between the coast. Mm-hmm. There was very little traffic be- between the coast and the Indian villages. And, and tourism was stopped completely. And as I said, only medical flights were made to the Indian villages. So so they just pretty much isolated there, self-contained, and it didn't affect them nearly exactly. as much. Exactly. It, it's just only when an Indian had the chance to go to the city that sometimes COVID was introduced to a village. Uh, but if people in the city, that is the Indians in the city, did yet COVID, mm-hmm. uh, they could not go back. That's very till. interesting. Interesting. So let's say that you are talking, Fred, with someone that is very interested in missions work, discerning whether God's calling them to missions, and um, they're just looking for guidance or for resources. What, what are some things that you would share with them or encouragement you would share with them? There is still a great need of reaching other tribes uh, in in South America. 
Uh, we've heard also in Africa there are still tribes to be reached with the gospel. Indians are doing quite a bit, uh, but uh, the people in the jungle need help. Uh, there are tribes that, even tribes that have not been discovered, people are aware they're there. Uh, our people have reached the Stone Age tribe in 1968. Uh, we've gotten reports of other tribes being seen, of people of other tribes being seen that got away into the jungle as soon as they saw other people. So there are, there are tribes that the outside world knows the existence of, and also tribes that are still hiding in the jungle, more or less in a Stone Age situation. Mm -hmm. So these tribes need to be reached, and Indians are doing what they can, but uh, South America needs pioneer missionaries. Okay. Do you have, Fred, a, a favorite or a... A life verse, a verse that has meant a great deal to you that you could share with us? Yes, it's a life verse that uh, is important to both Treaty and me, and that is Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not be weary of doing well, doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. That's good, and that's a great characteristic of your life that we've seen. Amen. This is not one that's on the list that I gave you before we started. So if it's, uh, if it's a question you want to pass on, we'll just cut this out. Do you have, I'm curious though, do you have a favorite story from the field? A way that God worked and it was just a, a wow, praise the Lord moment or one that you could share with us? Well, there are too many. It would take too much time. <laughs> but the most favorite story is from recent months. And that is when a group of Indians from the two villages we have lived in decided to make a missionary trip to Brazil. And uh, when they left, they said they were going to go for two months. Well, going for two months and visiting uh, many more than 20 villages, we knew that was not going to work because uh, they would first of all have to travel on the river in Suriname, then cross the mountains into Brazil. Once they were in Brazil, there would be canoes available. They needed to take the fuel and the outboard motors across the mountains. So actually, once they arrived in the first Indian village in Suriname, uh, it was 15 days. And um, their plan of being there for two months ended up in being there for more than five months. Wow. And in those five months, far more than 100 Indians of three different tribes made a decision for Christ. Praise the Lord. And they came back, and then recently I thought if the Lord can use them in Brazil like that, he can certainly use them in another place in Suriname where there was a real need for spiritual revival and... Uh, the Lord provided for them to fly there, 10 Indians of one village and 10 Indians of another village. We were able to fly them there, and they stayed for 16 or 17 days. And their ministry there in that village of, I don't know, 2,000 people, maybe more, uh, there were many who came forward to confess their life and their sins 
and they're being having backslidden and coming back to the Lord. So we call that a revival. Wow. And the result of that trip was that people, church leaders from that village, went to another village where there was a kind of a revival as well. Mm. So th that is the most recent uh, story of what God is doing there in the jungles of South America. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for sharing that. Last question uh, before we let you go today. How can those listening be praying for your ministry and what's going on there with the Indian tribes? Well, uh, Indians continue to carry on the ministry. Uh, we, we would like to serve them as long as we can. As long as the Lord allows us to do this, but the main thing is for these Indians to reach other tribes they want to go. Uh, not always the means are available. And to reach other tribes, again, new missionaries uh, are needed to start that kind of ministry in other places in South America. Well, Fred, again, we thank you for joining us. We thank you for your ministry for the Lord for so many years. and. What a privilege it's been to be able to support you for all that time. Thank you and Trudy again, and thank you all for listening in. We look forward to sharing with you again next week, and you hope that we hope that you have a wonderful week. God bless. Music